0: Well, welcome everyone. Um, my name is Nev, I'm one of the pastors of the church, and um, yeah, we're going to continue our series this morning in Corinthians, as Jem said, but let's, why don't we start by praying together and asking God to help me, help us all as we hear from his word. Father God, I thank you for your presence with us this morning. I thank you for um, your instruction and the encouragement we receive through your word your living word and ask this morning Lord God that you would prepare our hearts right now in this moment may they be as it were soft soil moist ready to receive the seed of your word this morning ready for it to take root and grow Lord God we want to hear from you this morning so help me help us all um, to learn and to grow, and to love you more through what we hear this morning. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, if you'd like to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6, that's where we're up to in our series uh, on Corinthians, which we've entitled Becoming Love, and underlying a lot of what we're saying at the moment. We're wanting to pursue being a people who are loving, who are living out the love of Christ in our lives and in our relationships. And we're continuing this series, which is um, a challenging letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthian church, a church that had many issues that needed addressing, as I'm sure you've realized as we've been going through it. And um, as I've spoken of many times before when I uh, speak and preach here, I, I can recall the instances when I was growing up of feeling I had been wronged by my two older brothers, um, members of my own family, uh, been through wrongs. Now, nothing really majorly serious, just to say that right at the outset, but things such as, as I was growing up, instances of taking that last piece of chocolate cake that I thought was mine and my brother took it, or breaking one of my beloved toys, snapping it in half. I can still think of that moment now. And even gaffer tape won't make it better. Um, Or maybe shutting me out of a game that they were playing and I wasn't included. But likewise, I know I often make reference to my brothers. I must say, I'm sure as well, I can also recall many instances where I would have equally wronged them, so it wasn't all them. I equally would have had a part to play. But it's, it's hard in life in any situation, when we feel we've been wronged or cheated by anyone, no matter what it is. And I'm sure we could all recall instances where we've experienced that to some degree. And it's probably most challenging when we feel that Uh, within our own family where we feel we've been wronged by a family member just I guess because the sense they're so close to us or in this case in the case of the passage we're about to read um, what happens within the church family is tough disputes between believers and the question we need to ask ourselves when disputes arise within the church family is how should I how should we deal with them? And so we're going to be looking at that a bit this morning. And the examples I just mentioned a moment ago about my brothers, they may sound trivial and they are trivial. Um, But interestingly, today's passage speaks of trivial cases amongst the family of believers. So let's read our verses from today. I'm reading from the NIV. Uh, So 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 1 to 8. So Paul's continuing his letter to them, and he says, "'If any of you has a dispute with another, "'do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment "'instead of before the Lord's people? "'Or do you not know that the Lord's people "'will judge the world? "'And if you are to judge the world, "'are you not competent to judge trivial cases? "'Do you not know that we will judge angels? "'How much more the things of this life? "'Therefore, if you have disputes about such matters,' Do you ask for a ruling for those whose way of life is scorned in the church? Or like the way the ESV puts that verse, it says, So if you have such cases, why do you lay them before those who have no standing in the church? I say this to shame you. Is it possible that there is nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers, but instead one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers... The very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. Why not rather be wronged? Why not rather be cheated or defrauded? Instead, you yourselves cheat and do wrong, and you do this to your brothers and sisters. So as we can see from this text and the previous chapters of 1 Corinthians, there are issues within this body, this family of believers, And they have disputes with one another, which are, as we're hearing here, are ending up in court. There is a disunity within the body that is then being outworked and witnessed by unbelievers. And instead of humbly coming together for revolution within the church, there seems to be an appetite for self-justification as they cheat and wrong and defraud one another and take trivial cases to those outside the church for judgment. And so as we look at this now, and as I was preparing, I, I was thinking about this text, and thinking, what I want us to do is to really get to the heart of the matter of what's going on here. And that's essentially what I've entitled this sermon today, the heart of the matter. So why are there lawsuits amongst them? Why can't the Corinthians work things out between themselves? And what can we learn from this about how we conduct ourselves within the church today? So let's see if we can get some clarity on these questions I've just asked as we go back and think in some more depth about this text. So firstly, why are there lawsuits amongst them? What's going on here? Well, it seems in this context there were grievances they had with one another, specifically to do with property or money. Uh, If you look in verse 7, it says... um, you know, that why not rather be defrauded? It says that in other versions, not in the NIV. Um, So this hints at why there were lawsuits, because of property or money disagreements right here. So why, but you know, so that's that's a kind of hint of what it's about, why there were lawsuits. But the question is, why really were there lawsuits amongst them? I mean, how did they get to this place of taking one another to court? And um, if you look in verse 5, Paul says, Is it possible that there's nobody among you wise enough to judge a dispute between the believers, but instead you one brother takes another to court, and this in front of unbelievers? And I would suggest the reason they're ending up in court was because there were deeper problematic issues of the heart and unhealthy attitudes here. So just imagine for a moment uh, the scene where you probably experienced it living in London, two people walking down the street. I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're walking down the street and you bump shoulders with someone. Have you ever had that? Hands up, have you ever had that? I mean, most of us are good at avoiding that, you know. Um, it always marvels me. how do, Most of the time do we avoid that, but it's like fish or birds. How do they avoid each other? We somehow manage to do it. But occasionally, we will walk past someone and bump shoulders. And when that happens, I was just thinking, there are two reactions we could have. The first is, oh, I'm so sorry, I didn't see you there, are you okay? Sorry. Second is, what do you think you're doing? Why don't you watch where you're going? You fool? What? You You want to fight? You want to take this outside? Well, we are outside, but you want to fight? It can go down that way if you're not careful. It can get progressively worse. And those two examples, the first one that I shared, I'm sorry, are you okay, is everything all right? That first one speaks of humility and care. I'm humbly recognizing, oh, I've done something that I shouldn't have done, I didn't mean to do it, and then care. Are you okay? Which is a a way of acting that hopefully would lead to peace and reconciliation in that moment with that other person. Not always, depending on how they respond, but that's the way you're leading it. The second response of kind of, what are you doing? Why don't you watch where you're going, you fool? That is one of, rather than um, humility and care, it's one of pride and anger. It's like, well, they've got an issue with me. What's going on? You know? And that leads to conflict and a kind of destruction of that relationship or whatever is going on there. So. We've got these two dynamics in that example, and in those two examples, the first and the second, which would you say is more Christ-like, the first or the second? What? I thought I heard someone say second then. I hope, hopefully we said first, <laughs> maybe the, the, the first way, a Christ-like response is one of humility, love, and care towards a, a fellow human being. And so I ask the question, why can't the Corinthians work, themselves, work things out amongst themselves here? And it seems as though at this point in time, their hearts and attitudes were more like that second example I just shared than the first. And they were not seeming to be conformed more to the attitude and heart of Christ. And when there was a dispute or an issue... It seems here that their reaction was extreme. They're filing lawsuits amongst one another. There was a sense of conflict coming about as the result of money and possessions. And let's just take a moment to contrast this with the believers in the uh, early church in the book of Acts. So in Acts chapter 4, verse 32 to 35, it says, All the believers were one in heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all. And there were no needy persons among them. From time to time, those who owned land or houses (laughs) sold them brought the money from the sales, put it at the, the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. I mean, what a contrast from this to what we're reading today. Such humility and love shown towards one another here. And the Corinthians, they couldn't work things out amongst themselves because they weren't really imitating this kind of love and fellowship that we see here in the book of Acts. It seems they've taken their eyes off Christ and a Christ-like way of living. And as we read this, as we read any thing in God's Word, we also want to ask questions. We want to think what was going on there, what was the context, but also what does this speak to us? What do we learn from this? How can we see this example and reflect on our own lives and our own church? The Corinthians obviously weren't doing a good job of being Christ-like in their love toward one another. In verse 1 of this chapter, we're looking at chapter 6, Paul says, if any of you has a dispute with another, do you dare take it before the ungodly for judgment instead of before the Lord's people? Paul's incredulous here. He's saying, do you dare take it to court? Two Christians have a dispute with one another, and you think you should resolve this by taking it before the unrighteous? Why would you depend on someone who does not have the same worldview as a Christian, who does not possess the wisdom of God, but the wisdom of the world, and whose values and standards do not match with God's? How is this the logical resolution, Paul's asking here? Well, the logical resolution that Paul gives in this verse is that you should take this dispute to other Christians to help decide the matter, not the unrighteous. So to bring this closer to home for us, if within your community group you had an issue with someone, and if, you, if you're new or you don't know what community group is, our community groups are our way within the church of fellowshipping more closely one, with one another and living out Christian lives a meeting in the week and beyond if within your community group and i'm assuming most people will be in one you have an issue with someone would you first take that issue that you have with someone straight to a friend who is not a christian or not a part of this church should you not bring that issue that you might have first to another person in your community group perhaps such as your your group leader Paul goes on to say in verse 5 is it possible there's no one among you wise enough to judge a dispute between believers see each continue to use the example of a community group each community group should have wise and godly people or leaders within it we trust and if you felt that it wasn't the case or perhaps maybe you do have an issue or a dispute with your leader for whatever reason could it not then be taken to your group overseer i.e. an elder of the church who can perhaps help you deal with it or it's probably helpful at this point to point out our structures as a church if you don't know or if you've forgotten if you know then you have a dispute or something with the, the leaders of the church what then what do you do Well, we're part of a network, a family of churches called New Ground, um, who are family churches, and we have an oversight there. So we have, as elders, people who oversee us. So if you have any issue there, speak to someone from New Ground, and you can go on our website, and at the bottom of every page, there's a link to New Ground, and you can find the number there to speak to someone. And just for a moment, speaking just beyond that, if, there, if you ever feel there is a, an issue or a grievance or something serious going on that you really feel like, I can't bring it to anyone in the church, if it's a, a really serious issue, particularly to do with people at risk or vulnerable people, um, then, of course, there is external organisations. There is the police. There is, a, there is actually an organisation called 318. Uh, the word's 318.org. And that's an organization that's particularly focused on the safeguarding of um, vulnerable children and adults. So we're actually a member of that as a church. So if we ever have issues and we're like, we don't even feel we're equipped to deal with this, we can speak to them, or you could directly. So those are things we could go to, but we start, we hope within the church, and we trust that we do have godly um, leaders within this church who can deal with that. But I guess that's to do with issues, I'm just speaking there, to do with kind of safeguarding um, of vulnerable people. I guess coming back now to this text, which actually is more around and focused on um, disputes concerning money or property, and as uh, Paul says, they're looked upon actually here as trivial cases, as we see in verse 2. That's how he speaks to them. Now, of course, you might not Always refer to matters. If you've got something going on with someone, and I've heard cases of this within churches, not here, where there's issues and disputes that involve thousands of pounds of money, and you might think that's not a trivial matter, but uh, yet Paul says to the Corinthians in verses seven and eight of this text: the very fact that you have lawsuits among you means that you have been completely defeated already. He says you've been defeated. You're you're not being the bride of Christ. You're not showing what's happened here. There's something not quite right. And then he goes on to say, why not rather be wronged? Why rather be cheated? You know, is there there a sense of pride here that's not allowing that to be the case? Can we not just let it go and be wronged or cheated? Instead, you cheat and do wrong and you do this to your brothers and sisters. So why not rather be wronged? Are there cases you've been in and you think, oh, you know, this, I, I have been wronged by this brother or sister. Is there a case where you could step back and go, well, could I just allow myself to be wronged here or, you know, cheated? Is there, is there a, a way that I could do that? But you might ask, but how can I let that situation go? I mean, how can I forgive that person? Or, why, you know, maybe they won't learn. How could we take that upon ourselves and not get some kind of justice? But I just want to take a moment to encourage us to consider Christ, to consider his example. The Son of God completely wronged and cheated. He's let down by his friends who denied him, he was despised by those that he created. He was wronged. He was cheated. He was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. And Jesus, he could have have poured out his anger towards those who treated him or mistreated him in such a way. But instead of pouring out his anger, he poured out his love through the blood that he shed on the cross for the sins of all mankind. And he allowed the wrath of God to be poured out upon himself so that we might all know forgiveness and be reconciled to the Father. I mean, this is our example here. When we're in a situation, do we ever step back and go, hang on a minute, let me just consider once again Christ in this situation. How might that help put things into perspective? And when I consider, therefore, Christ in relation to a trivial case or a that I'm dealing with, how can I not respond in a Christ-like manner? I wonder if you remember, if you were here, what Matt preached about last Sunday. Sometimes a week's a long time to remember, but I, I hope you do, and I hope you've been following his teaching this week throughout the blogs. In the verses prior to what we read today, 1 Corinthians 5 verse 6, don't you know that a little yeast leavens the whole batch of dough? It's talking about how a small amount of yeast will have a big impact on the dough. And likewise, a small amount of sin can have a spread and have a huge impact on people, on the church. Or like if you read his blogs this week, he used the example of he saw a boy in the River Thames just floating and the ripples coming out, or like a speedboat. They start here, they're small, but eventually they go out and they can make big waves. We may not not have any open lawsuits against one another in this church right now, as far as I'm aware. We don't have any. But... As I was preparing, I was also reminded, because it's easy, we hear something like this and we think, okay, that's nice, but it's not, it's not completely relevant to me, you know, I'm not in that situation, or I don't know anyone who is. But I was reminded, as I was preparing, of the words of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, and is the way he puts things, such as, as we read in Matthew 5, 27 to 28, Jesus says, you heard it was said you shall not commit adultery, but I tell you, anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He takes the law and he says, he applies it to our attitudes, our hearts. So you may not actually be taking someone to court right now within this church, but are you taking them to court in your own heart or in your own mind? See, quietly, you're, you're, you're making these judgments. You're like, I'm taking you there. You, you know, this, that or the other. Have you taken someone to the court of public opinion as you talk about your grievances with a brother or sister, with someone outside the church, perhaps? See, a small, or, small cynical or bitter attitude towards a brother or sister can very subtly grow and grow and grow. I mean, I... You know, I check myself on this. We, we can often have conversations where we're like, I've got this grievance with this brother or sister. Let me talk it out. That's good. We want to share these things with one another, don't we? It's good to do. But we have to keep examining and checking our hearts. Am I now allowing this to grow into kind of gossip and bitterness? Am I actually doing something about it? Is it leading to some kind of resolution or am I continuing is it continuing for weeks, months, years? Have I got an issue with anyone? Because we're called to be the, the bride of Christ. We're called to love one another. Earnestly pursue love for one another. Keep loving one another earnestly. It says in uh, 1 Peter 4, 8, I think. That's what we're to do. We're to pursue love. Not pursue cynical or bitter attitudes to someone. Don't let that happen. If it's happening, nip it in the bud. These Corinthians uh, lawsuits would have began, I'm sure, as a small seed of sin in the hearts of those involved. Maybe justified, but it's got out of control. And so I want us to imagine as, a, as a, a church, as a church family, imagine if we asked the Holy Spirit to keep us so sharp, and aware of any conflicts or potential disputes that may arise amongst us. Imagine if we ask God every day to form us more into the image of his son and to reflect the beauty of the church that we see in the book of Acts. I was just thinking, sometimes it feels a lot easier to gossip about someone in a negative manner than a positive one. But how about imagine if we pursued the act of I'm going to gossip good things about my brothers or sisters when they're not even in earshot? You know, where did you last do that with someone? You're with someone else in church, and you go, Hey, you know this other person? Man, great! I mean, isn't it amazing the way that God uses them? You know, this aspect of their character. And that might even be someone that you have trouble with. But if you speak and you remind yourself of the goodness in them and the fact that they are God's very creation, this is what we're to be doing, brothers and sisters. We're to be speaking good to one another, about one another. And any disputes that we may have, which do happen, we need to quickly resolve these conflicts before they grow get out of hand and become, like we're seeing here, these lawsuits amongst believers. Are we going to be like the Corinthians when disputes arise amongst us? Or are we going to be like Christ and the early church in Acts and live in the example that we saw earlier? Now, I guess I'd also pray and hope that none of us discount Ourselves from the instruction today from God's Word. As I was saying earlier, we might think, oh, okay, that's good to be aware of. That's not me. I'm not in that situation or I haven't been. I don't foresee myself being in that situation. And if so, that's great. But let's not be naive or think we're never susceptible to this because we are. Let's remember the picture of the yeast. Just a small thing can grow if it goes on unchecked. Let's not allow the devil to get a foothold into our hearts and cause divisions amongst us. And I'm aware we've been speaking about this for a number of weeks. You know, that you might think, we heard this a couple of weeks and we've heard this last few weeks. That's partly the nature of going through a text like this because that is the context of it. But it's also sometimes actually as well, God is speaking to us now and saying... Don't just hear things like this and think, oh, I've heard that, I get it, let's move on. Maybe sometimes God's saying, stay here. There are still perhaps issues, deal with them. You might think there aren't issues, but perhaps in each and every one of us, there's a tiny amount of this in us, an amount of hardness towards someone else. So I want us to... I really want, we're, we're breaking bread today uh, soon, and that's a time where we're coming together before Christ as brothers and sisters to share and remind ourselves of what He has done for us, as I was pointing out earlier. I want us just to take a moment now to just reflect. Again, you might think, I haven't, there, there isn't anything here for me, but maybe just search your heart for a moment, humble yourself, come before God. I'm going to ask a few questions which is essentially examining, helping us to examine our own hearts. And I, I'd love us all to just, in the quiet of our own minds, just answer those. So maybe just for a moment, you, you might find it helpful just to shut your eyes for a minute. I'm just going to ask these questions, and I want you just to reflect on them before God. Is there a brother or sister in the church right now who I currently have a dispute or conflict with? Do they know about it? Do I have a plan to address it? Can we work it out between ourselves? If so, when is the soonest possible moment? I could suggest that we do that. If I don't think we can work it out between us, who in my community group or in the wider church could I ask to help with this dispute or conflict. If anything came to mind there, I just encourage you to to address it. Don't let it go unchecked. If you're in a conflict today with a brother or sister, you need to address it. Don't let it fester. Don't allow a root of bitterness to take hold of your heart and to grow. Nip it in the bud. Bring the situation to Christ and to your brothers and sisters in the church. Let's not be those who, when we bump shoulders with someone, as it were, react in a manner that assumes the worst in them but rather may we respond with soft and tender hearts. May we be those who ask the Holy Spirit to do what we read in Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, where we read, Lord, where the Lord says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Lord, give me a new heart, put a new spirit within me. God says, I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I'll put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In all of our disputes, we need to get to and quickly get to the heart of the matter. So let's resolve our disputes by bringing one another to the heart of Christ. Bringing one another to Jesus, as it says here. Now I'm so aware this is it feels like quite a sobering, serious message I'm bringing this morning. And, you know, some sense of, you know, sorry it's not more light, but I think there are times where God just needs to remind us of the seriousness of these issues. They are serious. They might seem small and insignificant, but they, as we've just been hearing, are serious. We need to pursue loving one another. I, I love this church, and I love the people here, and that's my desire. And I know in my own heart I need to keep checking myself and going, God, help me to love that person, to love, pursue loving them. And if I don't keep me from just keeping my distance from them because it's easier, let me, let me lean into that person more to understand them, to see them how Christ sees them. Jesus looked upon the crowds, and it says he had compassion on them. May we do the same. Because we want to glorify God. What is it if unbelievers look at, you know, as they would have perhaps looked at this Corinthian church and saying, what is this? This is supposed to be the expression of Christ here on the earth? not seeing it. We want people outside us to see, wow, look at this community. What is it about them that can live in such unity and love toward one another? It's Jesus. He's there. He's at the heart of it. I see Jesus through them. I realize now I believe him. Wouldn't it be wonderful if people come to faith because of that? That's what I want to see. That's what I want to pray for. And I would encourage you, Jen mentioned earlier, we're praying tonight. Come and pray. Why don't we pray into this tonight together? Wouldn't that be exciting? But I want us to pray together now. We're going to respond if the band's come up. We're going to worship together now. And this is a great way just to turn our hearts again to Christ. But I do want to encourage you, if you have anything that you feel feel needs dealing with it deal with it this morning share it with someone or this week don't let it go on unchecked but why don't we stand i'd love to just pray for us just before we sing Holy Spirit, I thank you for your presence with us now. I thank you for the power of your word. And I trust, Lord God, that it's you speaking to us through your word this morning. Lord God, I pray if there's those who have particularly perhaps been affected by this this morning, Lord God, that you would come and minister to them now. Come and be at work in their hearts. But Lord God, for all of us. Lord, we all recognize that any any kind of sin can take us by surprise. We want to be those that are walking before you humbly, with integrity, with pure hearts. So God, purify our hearts now, Lord Jesus expand our capacity for love for one another refresh us holy spirit with your love remind us that you love us beyond all measure no matter what we do you accept us you forgive us but look god you also rebuke and correct us because that's what a good and loving father does so lord god we want to be open to that and we say lord god show us discipline us where you need to so that we can become more like you jesus We love you, Lord. We thank you for your sacrifice for us on the cross and that you poured yourself out for us. And may we do the same for one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.